0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. Palm Sunday is called the Sunday of the Passion. Today we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and the rest of the Passion narrative, Jesus' betrayal, trial, crucifixion, and death. The dictionary defines passion as a strong or extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or desire for anything. By that definition, the crowd welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem has passion, which dissipates as quickly as it arises, so that the entire scene as recounted by Mark comes to nothing. Jesus' long trek on the way from Galilee and the ride from the Mount of Olives have brought Jesus to the point of his destination, indeed, his destiny. This appears to be the moment for him to receive his messianic kingdom. But ironically, nothing happens. It's all very disappointing. Jesus' actions do not match the crowd's passion. So it seems very much a story of what doesn't happen. Jesus is very low key. All he says is to the disciples, go find this colt, untie it. And if its owners ask you, what are you doing? Tell them the Lord has need of it. I mean, what else could the disciples have said at that time when they were being asked other than, you know, we don't know. We don't know what we're doing because they didn't because they didn't know what Jesus was doing because they did not understand Jesus' passion, which ran much deeper, an underground river of life running to the cross. The Lord has need of it. This is a statement of passion governed by God's purpose, which starts with the humble act of riding a donkey. This is a small thing, a micro event, which is encompassed, by God's larger purpose, achieved through the death of his son. Here's another definition for the word passion. The word passion comes from the Latin root pati, meaning suffering or enduring. And passion is at its core a form of pain that demands it be quenched. It's not for the faint of heart or those who lack patience which is not the ability to wait, but the ability to suffer. The Lord has need of it. So begins our Lord's humble procession to the cross, where his passion coalesces with his purpose. Jesus has need of a colt, a young donkey never ridden before. Jesus also has need of a cross. Both are vehicles of his passion. Both serve his purpose. The cross is where the passion of the ages is consummated by the ultimate purpose of the ages. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the passion of dereliction, not of duty, but of complete abandonment. This is the passion of suffering love. It is finished. Recounted in the other Gospels, but not in Mark. It is finished. That is the purpose of all creation, redeemed and restored, where God's humanity is fully realized and our humanity is fully restored, passion and purpose. And this means God's purpose is realized through Jesus' passion, his suffering, which provides us a redemptive understanding of what has been called by some to be God's biggest problem for which God has no answer, the problem of suffering. And those who say it's God's biggest problem for which he has no answer, maybe it's because they don't like God's answer, which is not to eradicate suffering, but to suffer more extremely than any human being as ever has ever suffered. For us, death is the final escape from suffering. For Jesus, death is suffering's culmination. In dying, he gave himself up for the life of the world. Mark's passion narrative uses as a primary source Isaiah's suffering servant, as described in Isaiah 53, read to us by Melinda. The servant who goes through extreme suffering, not as a victim, but as an active agent on behalf of all Israel. And Jesus takes Isaiah 53, it's, it's, it's like his obituary, which he reads before he dies. This is the purposeful suffering of the one who loves by necessity of his nature. God is love, we say. That's a theology of love, but that's not a story of love. It's as if prospective parents are thinking about having a child and loving a child, but you know what? They're not going to actually live into the story of that child until they actually have that child and love that child and suffer with that child as that child grows up. The Bible is God's story of love that turns his necessity into passion. When God asks Adam at the beginning of the great story of the scripture, where did you go, Adam? The first question recorded in the Bible. God has to answer his own question by sending his own son to find Adam and all the rest of us. And on the cross, the second Adam asks the same question to God. Where did you go, my God, my God? Why have you forsaken me? That is a story of God's love for us. This is the story of His redemptive suffering for us. Jordan Peterson, in his book Twelve Rules for Life, writes that the one thing he cannot doubt, in the midst of cornucopia of doubt—cornucopia is probably not the right word—a bedlam of doubt. He cannot doubt the reality of suffering. Suffering is a bedrock reality for him, which points to another reality. If there is something that is not good, profoundly not good, then there is something that is profoundly good, and the only one who is truly good, which is a reality deeper and mysterious even than suffering. If we're talking about levels of reality, God's goodness and every way in which his goodness is made manifest is the deepest reality sustaining the universe. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, we must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do, and more in the light of what they suffer. Suffering reveals who we are as nothing else does. Have any of us suffered this past year? Do we know what Peterson and Bonhoeffer and Jesus are talking about? Someone told me recently that we at All Souls have greatly enjoyed what we have been. We take pleasure and delight in our community. I, for one, have been passionate about All Souls, and I still am. And I think God is telling me, and maybe all of us, to enter into his deeper passion for us, which can only come When we've hit the proverbial rock bottom, the ground reality of our own sin, and experience its suffering, so we find out who we really are and find out who God really is and can be for us. And when you hit rock bottom, you realize you are standing on the rock at the bottom, bedrock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. And from there we reach for the goodness of God and we gradually realize that this is precisely what has been sustaining us all along. The goodness of God who knows all about our suffering and carries our sin and works his passionate purpose through us when our lesser passions have failed us. Only after Jesus had suffered and died did the Roman soldier at the foot of the cross, regard Jesus in the light of what he had suffered, and recognize this this earth-shattering and curtain-ripping reality that the man who was a king would not come down from the cross because he was also the son of God who must stay on the cross until he accomplished God's purpose for you, for me, for our community, and for the entire world. Amen.